Hi, my name is Levi. Welcome to our weekly Maison Mission program. This is episode number 18. Maison Mission is an inclusive faith community. The word Maison comes from a Greek word that means greater. The Maison Mission is about finding greater spaces for people to hear and experience the good news of Jesus. You can find out more about Maison Mission by visiting MaisonMission.com or through the links in the description of this program. Good morning. It is good to be with you again. And I have to say, it was good for Kevin and I to have a week of rest from the online service. And I'll tell you what, after meeting in person, it is really hard to go back to preaching these sermons to a camera. And I'm sure it's equally as difficult for those of you that were in person on Easter uh, to be watching this in your living room or kitchen or, or wherever you happen to uh, see this program. But here we are starting a new series called The Other Side that centers around life on the other side of the resurrection. Now, many of us know Easter to be a one-day event or celebration, and then we kind of move on with life. We have the, the egg hunt, the, the kids get their Easter baskets, uh, they wear that outfit one time, and then we just kind of move on with life. But the reality is, there is a whole season in the Christian calendar called Eastertide. And it is a time when we focus on the resurrection of Jesus, what it means, what began when it happened all those years ago. And it can be easy to forget that Jesus actually stuck around on earth after the resurrection for 40 days. Now, it can be difficult to remember because we don't have a tremendous amount of information, or we would say content today, <clears throat> as to what happened during these 40 days. There are a few lines here or there that tell us uh, how long he was here, what he did, approximately how many people saw him during this time, and that's kind of it. And we find some of this information in Acts chapter 1. Now, Acts is written uh, by Luke, uh, who also wrote Luke. <laughs> and, um, and so we're going to look at a few of uh, the very first verses in Acts chapter 1. He says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was still alive. Can we just pause there for a second? It says, one, he presented himself to them and that apparently was not enough to, to convince people that he was still alive because it says, and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. That I can't really wrap my mind around that. I want to know more information, Luke. Like, what did that look like? Were they quizzing him about uh, situations that they shared together to see if he had the right answer? But they were skeptics because just like you, just like me, when somebody dies, they stay dead, right? They, they don't come back to life. So he uh, presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was indeed alive. He appeared to them 
over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And the very next verse says that he ascended back to the Father, and a cloud hid him from their view. So he, these are his last words, and then Jesus is like, peace out. He ascends back to the Father. So he spends 40 days on earth, and he ascends back to the Father, the heavens, the sky. But before he leaves, he says, stay in Jerusalem. The one that he had promised, the Advocate, the breath of God, the Holy Spirit would come. And he basically says, you're going to be baptized with this, and you'll know it when you see it. You can't miss it. And that event is called Pentecost, which happened on the 50th day after his resurrection. So 10 days after Jesus left them to be with the Father. And boy, did they know when it happened. It's widely considered to be the birth of the church as we know it. And I love what it says in verse 3. Beyond the whole, he presented himself and then many convincing proofs. But at the end of that verse, it says, He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So Jesus basically kept doing what he did the whole time he was doing ministry before the cross, before the resurrection. He was speaking about the kingdom of God. Now, Kings and kingdoms are one of those things that, in my opinion, they, they feel a little bit fairy tale ish because we don't live under the reign of a king or live in a kingdom, per se. And my very first exposure to, to kings and kingdoms and stuff like that would have been Disney movies, right? Because there's kings and queens and que- princesses and princes, all that stuff. Now, I know some of you, you think you're experts because you have never missed an episode of the Game of Thrones. But the reality is, kings and kingdoms are not the world that we live in. Yet over and over, Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, the reign of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. Now, N.T. Wright is one of my favorite pastors, theologians, authors. He, he writes this, but what did he mean, kingdom of God? He said the prophet Isaiah, in line with several psalms and other biblical passages, has spoken of God's coming kingdom as the time when. One, God's promises and purposes would be fulfilled. Two, Israel would be rescued from pagan oppression. Three, evil, particularly the evil of oppressive empires, would be judged. And then lastly, God would usher in a new reign of justice and peace. The world was to be turned the right way up at last. He says to speak of God's kingdom arriving in the present was to summon up the entire narrative and to declare that it was reaching its climax. God's future was breaking into the present, 
heaven was arriving on earth. And if you think about it, it's part of the way that Jesus taught his disciples and us to pray. May your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And so the good news that Jesus brought was that finally God's long-promised kingdom was breaking into this present age. And in Jesus' day, everyone was looking for God's kingdom to come. And they had an idea of what it was going to look like. So I wish I had a a big stage with like a table and I, I could do an object lesson here, but I can't do that. So I need you to hold three things in in your mind's eye. The first thing is this concept of the present age. That's the world we find ourselves in. It's the world the disciples found themselves in. They they lived under the uh, oppression of Rome. They weren't really free. They lived under the Roman Empire. So the present age is one thing to keep in mind. The second is the Son of God or Son of Man, which is Jesus. And then the third idea that I want you to keep in your mind is the age to come. And so the contemporaries of Jesus had this idea of how things would work. They lived in the present age. That that was their reality. Everything that was going on, it wasn't good. It wasn't fun. It was oppressive. And so that's where they lived. And they expected a clear separation all right, they expected that they lived in the age, the current age, and then Jesus would come, he would do away with that, and then you would have the age to come. They expected this, this clear delineation. And if you remember just a few weeks ago when Kevin was uh, talking about Palm Sunday and how they had this expectation of uh, a Messiah who was going to, to show up and usher in this new age and, and finally justice would roll. But that day Jesus came in a way that they did not expect and he, he came and he comes and he will continue to come in ways that we don't expect because what happened is he inaugurated a brand new kingdom, the kingdom of God, even before this present age passed away. So Jesus, the Son of Man, shows up and begins this kingdom. Go read the gospel accounts. He just, he just comes out blaring that the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is here. And the reality is, all of heaven is available to us here on earth in this present age. We are ambassadors of the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of heaven is now because Jesus started this thing in his life, death, and resurrection. But it's not yet because it has not yet been fully realized. It has not yet been fully implemented. It has not taken over. The kingdom of heaven has not fully swallowed up this world with justice and peace. And so we have to wrap our our minds around this idea that that from the other side of the resurrection, the kingdom of God is now because heaven is available to us, but it's not yet because it has not yet consumed this present age. I I was thinking about how how to illustrate this, and I, I don't know if this does it justice, but I remembered back to the, the day that I graduated high school. And I went off to college, and I was eight hours away from my parents. They lived in Tennessee. I was going to school in Ohio. 
And I remember the very first Christmas break that, that I came home was this little power struggle uh, between my parents and me, right? Because when you're in college, those first couple of years at least, you, you kind of feel like you're in this limbo land. You feel like an adult because you're taking care of yourself. Nobody's waking you up in the morning. You're responsible for feeding yourself, doing your own laundry, figuring out how to problem solve in ways that you never had to problem solve before. So I know for me, I felt very adultish. I remember staying up until 2 a.m. and still making it to my 7 a.m. classes, right? Nobody was asking me, did you get your homework done? Do you have any tests? coming up? Is that project coming along? None of that stuff. So cue back to that first Christmas break, the very first semester. And it was late at night and I was laying on the couch and I was watching TV and my dad just kind of popped in and, and said something very nebulous about heading to bed and, and not staying up too late. And I remember this feeling uh, of just being completely appalled <laughs> that my dad thought he could just tell me when to go to bed. I mean, I was an adult. I have been doing this for like four months now, right? Like I didn't need dad popping his head in and telling me when to go to bed. See, we were actually in limbo land. I was learning how to be an adult and my dad was learning how to transition into parenting a child that was not as dependent as he had been just four months before. It was this process of, of being an adult for me now, but not yet fully being adult. The process had begun, but it had not yet been fully realized in my life. See, I still needed my parents for things. Mainly, I, I needed them for some money, <laughs> and I needed them to get me out of jams. I can't tell you how many times I ended up having to call my parents to figure out how to fix something on my car or ask if they could put a little bit more money in to my account. And, and I don't want to just beat this into the ground here, but this now and not yet kingdom of God, it's, it's foundational to understanding the nature of this kingdom. And it's really interesting. Back in the book of Luke, there is some parables that Jesus uses to teach. It's found in Luke 13 verses 18 through 21. This is one of the times when Jesus is actually asking a question. He says, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. Again, he asked, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. And if you could have asked the religious leaders, what is the kingdom of God like? They would not have compared it to mustard, seed, mustard seeds and yeast. Their response would have sounded a lot like revolt, uprising, power, dominance, swords, weapons. And it's just crazy that Jesus compares the kingdom of God to a mustard seed and to yeast. Something that starts small and grows and blossoms and matures. And he was right. Look, look at it. The kingdom began with a Savior that was born in a manger with this crazy cousin John the Baptist for a wingman that was out in the desert preaching this message of repentance to prepare the hearts of God's people to, to be ready for Jesus. 
That message went worldwide through the ministry of, of 12 junior varsity disciples that bumbled and fumbled their way through three years of mentorship under Jesus. And get this. I think this is my favorite part. This is not just a Jesus and his disciples 2,000 years ago kind of thing. See, today we are the ambassadors of this kingdom. We are God's representatives of heaven on earth. All the resources of heaven are available to us now to care for the poor, the ostracized, care for the prisoner, the down and out, the homeless, the hungry, all in the name of Jesus. And all of this with the full power of heaven, the the full blessing of the Holy Spirit as we represent the kingdom that Jesus began and is moving even now towards his good end. You see, one day, the kingdom will simply be now and no longer not yet because it will be fully realized, fully enacted. It will fully take over. But in the meantime, every act of kindness, every work towards justice, every act of generosity done in the name of Jesus is a reminder that the kingdom of God is present and viable around us, even though it's not yet fully realized by everyone. So may God give you May God give me, may God give us the eyes to see, the ears to hear this good news that we are invited to be ambassadors for the kingdom of God in the here and now. If you are interested in learning more about Maison Mission and how you can get involved, we're having an interest meeting on Zoom, Monday, April 26th at 7 p.m. You can sign up through the link in the description of this program. Sunday Download is back today at 4 p.m. on Zoom. And this is a weekly time of fellowship where we talk together about life and go a bit deeper into the things that were talked about in this program this morning. If you're interested in joining us, let us know in the comments, message us, or send us an email at info at Our next Maison in real life gathering is coming up in just a few weeks. On Sunday, May 2nd at 4 p.m., we are going to meet at Jonesville Park. Kids can play on the playground. We can visit and talk safely outside, uh, being socially distanced, and we're going to share together a time of communion. Uh, You can bring your own food if you'd like and join us uh, for just a great time of, of hanging out together. We hope to see you there. Maison Mission is a non-denominational church. These programs and conversations are only possible through the financial support and donations from people just like you. If our program encouraged you today, consider supporting Maison Mission with a one-time gift or on a recurring basis. You can give through MaisonMission.com and follow the link to give. You can also text the dollar amount to 84321 and follow the links to Maison Mission. We will also be displaying our giving links on a slide at the conclusion of this program. 
Thanks so much for tuning in. We hope you have a fantastic week.